0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. It's your humble narrator, Eric, here, back with episode 7 of The Eagle. Last we left off, James had tagged along while Mori and Ren had sparred. Ren lost the first match or two, but ended their session by striking Mori across the face. The men caught up with her later out of costume in her other life. Ren whisked her away to get an account of what happened to her face, and James dozed off at home, waiting to see if she'd drop by. On Tuesday, James woke up at 6 to let Ollie into his apartment. Ollie had brought a novel with him and sat on the sofa reading with a mug of orange juice while James showered and dressed for work. James had gotten used to Ollie existing in his general vicinity in the mornings, although it still felt odd to have an audience while he was getting ready. The fact that Ollie was so particularly nice and inoffensive made it somehow worse. Ollie would bring breakfast to keep around in James' fridge, including his orange juice, and perennially offered to share with James. He never commented on how messy the house was or if they were running late, just sat quietly with his books, drinking his orange juice, and sometimes having a muffin. James locked the door behind them. What's the book of the day, Ollie? Arches. Ollie held the book up. It's not great. They took some liberties with how interesting working delinquency actually is. Oh god, is that the one with the enforcer who finds the... Knock it off! Ollie interrupted. I'm only a few chapters in, I just started it this morning. You just said you did not like it, why keep reading it? Ollie shrugged. It is the only book I have with me, and I expect you will be late again tonight. I need something to do after my shift ends while I wait to escort you home. Right, sorry about that. I did not mind. It is not as though I have anything in particular to go home to besides sleeping. James chuckled. That all you do with your life? Work, read, and sleep? That is all I have time for currently, yes. James felt somewhat bad. There's no reason why you could not escort me back to work and someone else escort me home. Not that I need an escort, but it seems I do not have a choice. I appreciate the thought, but Maury says it has to be me, specifically. James almost asked Ollie why, but realized that Maury would not have told him. There are books in my office if you want something better. A handful of non-fiction corrections and delinquency-related books and some novels. Thank you, Mr. Porter. I might take you up on that offer after I finish this book. But you just said you did not like it. I do not, but I'm still going to read it. There was a lull in the conversation before Ollie spoke, somewhat quietly. What about you? Do you have any hobbies besides work? James smirked and started to answer sarcastically before realizing he did not want to discourage Ollie's attempts at conversation. I used to do some sketching and carving when I had the time. Guess he must be even busier than I am. James half shrugged and let the conversation fade awkwardly, too distracted to quite think of how to revive it. When James got to his office, the door was locked. He frowned for a moment before shuffling his briefcase around to get out his keys. His office was exactly how he had left it for the first time in years. He held his hand near the tea kettle. It was stone cold. James took a long exhale. He stood at the end of his desk debating what side to sit on before finally settling for the nice cushioned chair Maury usually occupied. It left him staring right at the spot where she had so warmly welcomed him back the week before. He felt a lump in his throat. He left his office and went down the hall to Maury's official office. It was locked as well, but he let himself in. Her office was quite a bit smaller than his, but still one of the nicer offices. He sat in her chair and flipped through the piles of papers on her desk. It occurred to him that what he took to be Maury outsmarting Wren and trying to embarrass him could have been her making a choice to commit to being Poppy. Maybe there no longer was a Maury, just a Poppy Dart. Seamstress, bubbly, and ladylike. James crossed his arms on her desk and put his head down. Well, this is not fucking backwards. James looked up. Maury was standing in the doorway holding a small parcel. She walked up to her desk and grabbed a few papers from under James's arm. I just needed this. I'm going back to your office seeing as it is the one with the kettle. She held up the parcel and shook it slightly. You're invited. I brought pound cake. It's not even stale. James smiled. He followed her back to his office, locking hers behind him. Maury sat in James' chair and unwrapped the cake. Shit, do you got a knife? Do you not? I'm not cutting cake with my murder implements. He grabbed a knife from next to the kettle and handed it to her. I was afraid I would seen the last of you. He could see her lip was still a bit swollen, but could not make out the rest of her face well enough to tell how bruised it was. Sorry, I was not in the mood for a hookup. James sat across from her. You know I like seeing you for more reasons than that, correct? I was not in the mood for that either, and busy besides. She lowered her voice. Ren brought about six years worth of toned shirts for Poppy to mend. James held his breath. He did not want to tell her that Ren knew. I'm actually afraid I'll not be in corrections this week either. I was just dropping in to get my paperwork. Maybe file some shit after hours. As there's no execution schedule, I should not be that missed. Why did you bring breakfast if you're not staying? Mori walked around the desk, sat sideways on James's lap, and wrapped her arms around him. She kissed him on the cheek. I did not want you to think I'd given up on you. You cannot keep working three jobs. I can get someone to do your paperwork for you, Maury. You know, I've been talking to Ollie a lot. He's not as scary as you are, but he has some serious talent. He could be trained to fill in for you. Well, I agree that in the long term, Ollie should be my replacement. Not now. Too much of my persona is tied with corrections. Quitting abruptly without fully committing to the head of enforcement position would make it very obvious I had a second life. And I do not think I was so clever that no one would figure it out were they looking hard enough. You know... If you were Poppy, we could still... Maury kissed him on the cheek and spoke softly in his ear. I will think of something, Mr. Porter. I'm just deciding what. I managed to make Ren's plans backfire once. I do not think he'll keep pushing. Maury stood, grabbed her papers, and headed towards the door. I must be off to enforcing, then. See you around, Mr. Porter. Maury? She looked at him. Ren always loses the first match. Hmm? Sparring, chess, cards. Anytime he's facing a new opponent, he loses the first match. Maury laughed. Of course he does. Anything else you think I should know? James looked at the floor. He knows about us. Us? You know, that we're having... relations. He said the word relations in as close to Ren's voice as he could manage. Mori threw her hands up in the air. Well, I mean, we would be if someone would ever let me have an afternoon to myself. She put her arms down. I have to go, especially if he knows he's going to assume you are the reason I'm late if I do not show up 20 minutes early. She was out the door before James could respond. By Friday, James had completely caught up on everything that even vaguely needed doing in a desperate attempt to distract from Maury's absence and how desperately he wanted a drink. As a final act of desperation, he dialed Wren and prayed that he would not be in one of his good moods. Hello, James. I'm starting to think you answer all your calls with Hello, James. Only calls from you, but believe what you would like. Right, whatever. I was wondering if you had time. Always. Something you need in particular? Advice. On what? Possible promotion. Mind if I drop by with the file? Please do. I have something I wanted to show you. Why did you not call me then, Ren? Why would I have? You were already going to call me. James ended the call and stared at the ceiling, contemplating why, of all people in the complex, his closest friend had to be Wren, before gathering a few papers and heading up to the main office. Ollie escorted James to the main office of delinquency. James dismissed him and swore he would call him if he needed him. Wren sat at his desk engrossed in two files he had opened and spread out. He glanced up at James. "'Tell me about your proposed promotion.' James made himself comfortable and scanned Wren's office for signs of Maury. There was a kettle and a tea canister set up in the corner by the door. He absently held his file out to Wren. Oliver, Ollie Sharp. Official third class, corrections guard. I thought that if Maury takes enforcement head, he would be a good replacement for her. Figure he has potential beyond standing by a door. Wren flipped through the file. Has she indicated to you she was planning on taking it? James half shrugged. It has not come up. I've been keeping tabs on Oliver, and I'm quite partial to the idea of having him fulfill the assistant role. He would bring a different air to corrections, but perhaps a good one. Wren spoke somewhat distractedly, still flipping through Ollie's file. Especially if the trend continues with how well you have been running it since your return. Wren handed the file back to James, somewhat reluctantly. Thank you. Of course. Wren adjusted his reading glasses. what do you want to show me? Wren put his hand on a pile of papers and turned them towards James. The file was on Poppy Dart. James skimmed it, but it did not say anything unexpected. All right, you pulled her file. What about it? You do not find it a bit curious that there is absolutely nothing out of the ordinary. I know she is careful, but I would have expected some skeletons, some small brush with danger at some point, or at least a mention of some of the training she doubtlessly had to be in as great a shape as she is in. Ren tapped the paper with his pen. The closest thing is that she took dance classes. She's been working in delinquency two, three years full-time now? She's had administrative access to records. I'm sure she destroyed anything she did not like. Wren nodded for a moment. He started to reach out towards James, but diverted suddenly and awkwardly into rolling his wrists as though he had a sudden cramp. You all right there, Wren? Fine, just stretching. Wren tilted his head slightly to look towards the window to the door behind James. You think Maury is considering my offer, then? James took the hint. You're going to have to try a lot harder if you want to break her down. Are you preparing to lecture me, or are you aiming to give me advice? Admit it, she embarrassed you at the tailor shop. Did she? She fueled the already existent and not wholly untrue rumor that Miss Dart and I were courting. I fail to see how people thinking a beautiful woman fancies me is particularly embarrassing. If anything, she backed herself into a corner by having one persona very publicly courting me, and the other not so discreetly being involved with you. I really did not think that through. Poppy had near silently slipped into the office. She wore a dress the same green as the bruises on her face and had her hair pulled back in a loose braid. Eavesdropping is unbecoming of a lady, Miss Dart, as is letting herself in unannounced. Maury flipped Wren off while she busied herself with the kettle. Wren chuckled and began to leisurely return the papers on Poppy to their folder. Maury kissed James on the cheek as she walked by. She situated herself on Wren's desk, with her back against the wall and her bare legs stretched out across the front edge. Maury looked at James and took a sip of her tea. We play a lot of chess in the recreation room, and he's starting to introduce me to the people I've worked for for years, one by one. Her dress hiked up far enough to show the bottom edge of her knife holster. Wren held a cigarette in his mouth and lit it carefully, struggling to keep it in his mouth to sight his growing smirk. I was thinking, Lovely, that perhaps next week we could go on a double date with James and Maury. You would find her absolutely fascinating. I take it this is your way of coping with the fact you've already read all the books in the library? Perhaps I'm coping with the fact I've not only read all the books, but also played all the board games. Eventually I will win and things will go back to how they are supposed to be. If she was wise about it, she will commit to one of her personas before we end up at the orphanage, married and considering adoption. Maury scoffed. If you were wise, you would dump me while you could still walk off with your head held up high like you were too good for me. She pulled the cigarette from Ren's mouth and took a slow drag off of it, leaving lipstick around the edges. After exhaling a slow stream of smoke, she leaned slightly towards Ren and gently placed the cigarette back in his mouth. She resituated herself. In her shifting, the hem of her skirt hiked up higher to show the entirety of her holster and the trim of her panties. She laughed. Since you two are gawking, I must ask... Is it that you're both into thighs or your mind particularly nice? James, I know, is more into legs, but I always suspected Ren would be more into tits. James and Ren looked up at each other simultaneously before looking away. Nothing wrong with liking both. She finished her tea and sat it on Ren's desk before swinging her legs off the edge and stepping down. Come on, Ren. I believe we have a dinner date. As soon as they were in the main office, Morrie made a show of holding on to Ren and looking up at him with big pleading eyes. Wren, Mr. James has been cooped up in the office all week. Why do we not have him join us for dinner? Anything to put a smile on your divine face. Wren spoke pleasantly without missing a beat. James looked around the main office desperately for an excuse to not tag along, but failed to spot one. He followed along somewhat awkwardly off to the side and reminded himself that there was a reason he avoided Wren in his good moods. Mori stretched across Ren's sofa and smoked a cigarette she had taken from his desk while Ren stood in the kitchen meticulously chopping carrots. James stood in the limbo between the living room and the kitchen. How long are you going to keep this up, Ren? Until I finish preparing dinner. Ren gestured slightly with his knife. Apologies if the noise bothers you. You know what I mean, smartass. Ah, that. I'm afraid you must ask Miss Dart. Maury took a slow drag. As long as it takes. She snuffed the cigarette out in the ashtray and rested her head on her arms. Patience is one of my few virtues, Mr. Porter. Wren raised his eyebrows but did not look up from his cutting board. And you thought I was stubborn. Maury had dozed off on the sofa before Wren had fully managed to get dinner on the stove. Wren focused his attention mostly on tidying the non-existent mess and stirring the pot. Seriously. What the fuck, Ren? How's this solving anything? She's going to physically wear herself out from overworking before she gives in and takes a position. James spoke quietly in an effort to not wake Maury or allow her to eavesdrop in the case that she already was awake. You are deluding yourself if you truly believe she is not garnering satisfaction from our escapades. She has said herself that I've been a massive inspiration to her career and her idol. She is savoring every second of trying to outsmart me, and I must admit some seconds she nearly manages. Ren, there are many, many other women in the complex. Doesn't have to be Maury. Maury is the perfect candidate for the position. What position? Keeping you from being bored? Ren exhaled in a small huff. You are well aware of what I am referring to, and you are being petty, James. As it stands, the arrangement is mutually beneficial, and I have no particular reason not to humor Maury. James faked mulling over his thought for a second. I just came up with a reason not to. How about, It is tacky as fuck to pretend to date your best friend's lover. Ren started to say something, but stopped when Maury called out from the front room. Just because I did not let you bleed to death and we fuck sometimes does not make us lovers, Mr. Porter. You're both fucking lunatics. James walked to the front room and grabbed his jacket from the coat rack. Both of you. This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. Ren leaned out of the kitchen. Are you not staying for dinner? James raised his voice. No, I'm not fucking staying for dinner, you goddamn maniac. Miss Mori, I get I owe you my life twice over and all that, but... Thrice. She interrupted serenely. She was laying on her stomach with her dress hiked up and bunched over the small of her back. Whatever. When you two are done playing Power Struggle, give me a call. Until then, I think I'd rather go watch Damien practice his kitchen knife-tossing in the utility closet. James took a step forward, pulled Maury's dress down to cover her ass, and stormed out the door before he could hear any objections. He walked swiftly down the hall, stepped into the elevator, and pounded the door close button until it shut. Without particularly thinking about it, he called Ollie, asked him to meet him at the range, and walked the rest of the way there in a manufactured but profound sense of purpose. After James and Ollie had shot a while, they sat on the back bench. James stared out at the targets. Ollie was tapping his fingers against his knee. James finally spoke. "'I'm considering you for a promotion, both in rank and position. But before I do, I want a few questions answered.' "'Of course, Mr. Porter.' "'Your file notes that you were recruited specifically by Wren?' Ollie smiled. "'I was unaware that Director Wren was responsible for my recruitment. I'd been told I was on auto-recruit due to my scores. "'Do you have any idea why Wren would have wanted you?' "'They did used to call Director Wren the patron saint of lost causes.' Ollie considered for a moment. I believe Ren was a junior official at the time, but he was there with the officials who responded to the fire. James looked at Ollie. The fire? Right. Ollie was clearly uncomfortable. I reviewed my personal history with Miss Mori when she signed me into full official status. She said it would be better off if that was not the first thing anyone saw when they pulled my file. So? She shredded the report on the incident and suggested I not mention it. James looked back at the targets. He knew the incident Ollie was talking about. Two kids, nine and twelve, living with their mother. Years of history of abuse by the mother, especially to the girl. James could not remember her name. He was unsure if Ren had actually ever mentioned either of the kids' names beyond calling it the Knox case. Anyhow, years of abuse, no one did anything. Eventually there was a fire and the mother and the sister died. Those were the only facts, and Wren had scoffed that even those could not be certain. It was written off as an overdose, and that the girl had gotten home, saw the apartment ablaze, and went in to save her brother. No explanation for the fire. Why would anyone want to investigate that? Why would anyone want to look into how the fire started, or why the smoke alarm did not go off, or why the sprinklers malfunctioned, or why every fail-safe seemed to fail? What was your sister's name, Ollie? Ollie looked at James, wide-eyed and pale. Sorry, I hang around psychic so much I forget I have to think out loud. Ollie smiled slightly, and James waited a moment to see if he might laugh, but he did not. You're formerly Oliver Knox, right? Wren has always said that case was the biggest failure Mar ever committed while he was running delinquency. Makes sense Wren kept tabs on you. I did not realize that had made such an impact on director Wren. Ollie seemed to be looking at absolutely nothing in particular. Her name was Fennel. James remembered how Wren would tell the story. That he was tasked with watching the little boy while the officials started to deal with everything else. That the little boy, a very little Ollie, was crying and telling Ren that it was his fault Fen was dead and that she'd gone in to save him. It was harder to imagine that Ollie was the same person, early 20s and doing fine. What was she like? Fen? She was very brave and bold, obviously, Ollie muttered, since she went back in the fire for me. We did not have to go into details if you did not want to. James put his arm around Ollie's shoulder. I'm sorry. It is alright if I may speak freely. Ollie paused until James nodded him to go on. I found it in poor taste that Maury shredded that part of my file. I was not sorry for asking, just give him my condolences. Your childhood was pretty fucked up from what I've heard. James sat awkwardly for a moment. You seem to have turned out pretty well, though. I would not have guessed you were that, Oliver. Thanks. It was quiet for a moment. Ollie spoke again. What about you? Have you got any family? James glanced up at Ollie. You seem to spend most of your time working with Director Wren or Miss Mori. My curiosity got the better of me for a moment. I have two brothers. One older, one younger. Both my parents are alive. My younger brother has two daughters. James looked at his shoes. I suppose I'm sort of the black sheep of the family. Get along with my younger brother all right, but... I'm the odd one out everywhere, really. James thought of Ren and Maury. Odd one out there, too. Half the time it feels like I do not even belong in delinquency anymore. Corrections ran almost better when I'd been stabbed. He finally took his arm off Ollie's shoulders without looking at him. All he could notice was how much colder he felt all of a sudden. I'm sure this is exactly how you want to spend your time off, listening to your boss bitch. You're not bothering me, Mr. Porter. Might not mean much coming from me, one of your security, but I've enjoyed your company the last few weeks. You certainly seem to belong in delinquency to me. James felt very alone all of a sudden. He wanted to talk to Ollie, but the fact that Ollie had been through worse yet was still listening so patiently and kindly, along with the fear that Maury would not hesitate to kill Ollie if she found out he knew more than she wanted him to, made it hard to talk. Even if Maury did not hurt Ollie, Maury would be pissed at James for sharing anything less than raving about their relationship. She would be pissed if he thought of it as a relationship. And besides everything else, he could not shake the doubt that maybe Ollie was only listening because James was his boss, not particularly because he cared one bit for James. James felt alone and worthless and helpless all of a sudden. You all right, Mr. Porter? Fine. James gestured at the targets. Back to it, then?